0: Maybe that's the piece that we really missed. You know, it's like, it's easy to see when you tear down this amazing tree that you can see that the tree is gone, but do you really see the impact to the ecosystem around, especially if that's like a mother tree, right? This is not something that we see, but we know that there's an impact. There's an impact to the environment. And so I believe part of the shift that's happening and going on right now is saying we need to see beyond the material we need to see beyond that we're really being asked to do that we haven't done that very well and you know this is a large part of what's asking to go on
1: you're listening to catalyst talks conversations with change agents outliers superheroes and truly conscious leaders modeling what it is to be an unstoppable force for good in this world what lit these catalysts on fire to do their work and what nuggets of wisdom can they share with a world literally on fire This podcast is for you who cares deeply and seeks to catalyze the world. I'm your host, Stephanie Traeger. I'm a consciousness catalyst and soul coach to superstar change agents in business leadership and life. In this podcast, I wear an eclectic mix of hats, including earthkeeper, healer, mindset coach, lawyer, business sustainability, and impact strategist. My intention is holding space for higher purpose, peak wellness, and soul mastery so we can live in harmony with ourselves, each other, and nature. The whole idea of Catalyst Talks and these conversations is to awaken consciousness, unlock higher purpose, and learn what it really takes to catalyze change in that scale. Subscribe to our new podcast and help us grow. We're aiming to reach a million people at least in 2020. Let's wake up the world together. My guest today on Catalyst Talks podcast is my dear friend, Susan Manowich. Not only do we have conversations all the time and say, oh my God, we should record this, and that's why we're having this podcast, but also because Susan is a superhuman rock star, and the work she's doing is so fascinating around new energy technology, the new energy movement, and the level of consciousness and conscious leadership that Susan is bringing to the new energy field. She is currently the president of the New Energy Movement and director of the Nui Foundation, a community interest company in the UK, and focuses on conscious leadership for the positive evolution of all. She has spent 25 plus years in the areas of leadership consulting, emotional intelligence, resonant technology, and better understanding human dynamics and social systems to successfully transition us through these global changes we're going through right now. Susan has experience with the Resonance Project Foundation. She was involved in key organizational strategic initiatives and also led major communication strategies. Some of her professional accomplishments are in the field of conscious leadership development and emotional intelligence, where her work has been consistently well-praised by her clients around the globe, including Harvard Business School, Yale University, University of Chicago, London Business School, and many more, including corporate and nonprofit clients. She has recently authored or co-authored the book Hidden Energy with Jean Manning in 2019 and contributed a research chapter with colleague John Kilimo to the book, Science of Consciousness and Contact with Non-Human Intelligence. Susan has a list of professional achievements, and she's a speaker and can be found on many summits and online interviews, as well as formerly many stages when we were taking them live. I want to invite you to sit down and just take in this beautiful wisdom that you shall hear in our conversation. My guest today is Susan Manowich. I'm so grateful you're here, my sister, my friend. We are having this conversation because we always talk about things that most people don't talk about, and we decided to put it on air. And y'all have to meet Susan, who does some amazing work in the world, bringing the concepts, ideas, and Opportunities around free energy to humanity. So I want to welcome you, Susan. Thank you for joining me here. And tell me where you are and how you are doing today.
0: It's nice to be with you and I know that your audience can't see us but we can see each other so that's pretty cool. Uh, I'm in western Massachusetts so that's where I physically am and how am I doing today? I you know my energy is good, my spirit's good, very aware of, of what we have going on in our world right now and just got off a series of phone calls already this morning but still feeling good despite the fact that you know it appears that someone wants to cancel Christmas.
1: Can you tell me a little bit more about that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I think, you know, many of us are, we've got Thanksgiving next week for those who, I guess, celebrate or have some form of tradition or even Christmas, you know, there's lots of conversation regarding gatherings of 10 or more people. And I come from a large family. So, you know, there's it's it's innate that <laughs> if you want to be inclusive as a family, then, you know, everybody should show up. And so now there's a, a limit on gatherings for Thanksgiving, which is quite interesting. And then I've been hearing, don't know how true this is, maybe one of your viewers has accurate information about this, but December 19th, that we may be experiencing another larger scale shutdown. So of course, that's right before the holidays. And I guess one of the things that I think of is, um, for those people that grew up in the 70s, seeing Santa Claus is coming to town, and you see the Burgermeister, and uh, Burgermeister says, there's no Christmas. (laughs) So it seems like we've got politicians that are acting as the Burgermeister. So Stephanie, I don't know if you know the Burgermeister. I'm going to have to show you a little video clip. Of it.
1: Yeah, I can't say I do, but no, that makes a lot of sense. And I love the analogy. Uh, so that really is a great opening for us. I mean, this is the things that we talk about are are a little bit taboo in the mainstream. And so, I mean, the work that you do around free energy, first of all, let's get a little bit of context there because Mm -hmm. that has you tapped into a space that is also sort of experiencing a shutdown at times. Right. And so how is there a bridge? Yeah. How is there a bridge between what we're experiencing as humanity, as a global family right now and, and the work you do around free energy?
0: Interesting. Very, very interesting. So, yes, so I guess maybe let's back up a little bit. So uh, some of the work that I do, I mean, I I became, I can't even say interested in this field, because that would be a lie. It would actually be one of those things where it would be uh, not accurate to say this. I mean, I'm one of these people who I think was born remembering and understanding a connection to these natural life forces both on planetary level here on earth but also from a cosmic standpoint i literally remember incarnating in remember being in my mother's womb and just since i was born always could see the subtle realms which some people they're colorblind and some people aren't <laughs> and for me i've just been able to, to just see these subtler realms and always have never thought it was weird or unusual because that's just how i was born And to me, as a kid growing up and seeing what felt like we had archaic uses of travel, both from cars, loud airplanes, (laughs) and obviously, you know, all of the different um, extraction that we have going on in the earth in terms of natural resources, just so much felt like, you know, oppositional to what these subtle realms were, were showing and sharing. So I think, I innately understood that there is an abundant source of energy in these subtler realms that if we could learn and understand to be more sensitive to our world our environment but also ourselves as as human beings. And understood the types of things that we were doing and the types of things that we were destroying, that we would probably, you know, find a way to stop that and to move along a different uh, continuum to look at these more abundant sources of energy. And people know it as free energy, zero point energy. So there's lots of different names for it. And for me, this is an arena that I just found myself, again, innately understanding and also understanding that this is part of a natural birth right that we have to pursue. And I guess the, the relationship to what we're experiencing in the world right now is it seems that certain things that are our God-given right, our natural rights are in jeopardy. Right now, you know, granted, it's being discussed, it's for the greater good. But when you see all these other variables that are being impacted from a human standpoint, you know, one has to question, "Mm, is this really for the greater good or is there something, you know, more that's happening and going on here? So, you know, for me, I experienced lots of strange things as as a child and as a young adult in this arena. The topic of, uh, I'll just bring it right up because I, I did research on this and, and published it in 2018. But there are people that have non-traditional ways of knowing. They have had contact with interdimensional beings. And by the way, these are scientists who have, I mean, moms, <laughs> students, doctors, lawyers, it doesn't discriminate. So when you really start to understand and look at the variety of connections and the information that comes in from these connections our understanding of the world that we really live in is, is far more interesting and far greater than what we've been led to believe so you know what do i think is the the similarity i would say there's this fear Cold, driven, mechanistic reality that keeps trying to step in front of what's really our natural birthright and what's really part of human beings' natural evolution to go beyond where we currently are and to evolve. So, you know, there's a little bit of a connection point.
1: Yeah, I'll make a connection point between somebody who experiences that gift as well and who is a lawyer sitting right here. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: I'll get you in the next study.
1: I think it's fascinating, Susan, around how you are lay, just laying the foundation, because we're just getting started in this conversation, but how you're laying the foundation around what is, without using any, you're not using negative terms, you're not calling names, you're not saying they are so this or that or whatever, right? Yeah. You're just really calling it as it is. There's this reality, and then there's this other reality that's mechanistic, that's reductionist, that's like totally only working on a certain bandwidth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, when it comes to enforcing the rules, when it comes to enforcing the lockdown or whatever other rules we're potentially witnessing, how do you think that people who experience this other dimension, this other reality, how do you think that, that we might actually move through this?
0: That's a great point. Well, as we can see, there's the separation piece, right? So, the wear your mask, social distance, don't gather your family. <laughs> so uh, one has to question what that does to you, if that feels right. So by the way, I'm not saying that um, what people choose is right or wrong, because there are some people that have uh, health issues where, you know, they're, they've got comorbidity issues. Like there's other factors that are happening and going on. So, you know, even if it was the regular flu season, they would need to be mindful of being around others because they're in a sensitive state. So um, when you look at the, the restrictions, one has to ask themselves, what do I think? Who am I? What do I feel? And to really reconcile that, what are my thoughts really? There's what's being communicated and told to me, but what do I think? And do I even have a right to say what I think and feel to my own self? So I think that's that's the starting point. I've said this before because I had a background in emotional intelligence. And one of the things about EI is... Are your thoughts really your thoughts? I mean, this is one of the things that I would talk about quite a bit, because sometimes we get so emotionally swayed that, you know, the amygdala, <laughs> the that reptilian part of our brain gets hijacked with, especially, you know, with fear. That's the primary uh, function of it. And before we know it, we're acting in this fear-based state and repeating what we heard because the repetition keeps going on and on and on and on and on. So we're repeating what we heard, but do we really believe that? Do I, Susan, believe what is being said? And you have to ask yourself if you do and really take time with that. And then if you don't believe that, then what does that mean in terms of how you go about your day-to-day life and how you verbalize that, if you verbalize that? So, you know, there's a number of factors that I think are important, but I'd say the very first thing is to make sure your thoughts are genuinely your thoughts. And how do you do that? Well, you've got to clear away some of the sludge. Ask yourself how you're feeling. Am I feeling fearful? Are my thoughts fearful? Are my words fearful? Is my heart racing? (laughs) you know, where am I really with this? And where is that thought coming from? So it's getting honest with yourself first and foremost. And, you know, this is where we, and we all have this, by the way, we all have the capacity because we all have a subconscious. So the goal is to make what's in the subconscious more conscious and to say, who am I? What do I really feel? And how is this impacting myself and my, the immediate people around me? And I think once we begin to have these conversations with ourselves, as opposed to, you know, this third party wanting to come in and intersect itself into our life, I think that's part of the awakening process. Regardless of whatever people choose or whatever they choose to believe, at least it's genuinely their choice. And I think this is the big thing. And I think this is part of the big awakening. So, you know, even with everything that is going on, it is a a prime opportunity for an awakening process as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love what you just said. I would add to that, you know, is this mine? Is this what I really think? And then I would add to that, why? Why do I believe this? Why do I think mm-hmm. this? And mm-hmm. again, like asking the why, am, how am I sharing or am I communicating this? Why? Why The why has been really helpful for me in this kind of meaning making journey and I'll notice sometimes I censor myself when I'm communicating how I feel and thinking of certain people and how this would land and and I notice I do that I censor myself so but I but I know why you know and like at least Mm -hmm. be honest with that so Mm -hmm. yeah in in this journey to awakening which is absolutely I mean more and more people have sort of dissented. That word is a little bit more resistance than I think is actually we're experiencing. But people have, have been less acquiescent with everything. And I think we've been seeing that this is an opportunity for people to be like, oh, what do I believe? Do I believe what everyone believes? More than any other time that we've had. Mm-hmm. It's like collective go with the go with it right everyone just go with it and those who don't you're like oh wow i'm not one of those um, <laughs> I mean, i think that i think what i want to want to go down a thread with you on is you've been in this world for a long time for many years you've been working in a sort of what i don't even want to say like an underground industry or a uh, Uh, what would you call it like a subculture of an industry and I too have been in that space and so for us an experience what we're we're experiencing we can kind of see and then plus we're bringing our other awarenesses our other senses and our other information to the fore but I would love for you to give a little bit of a background around the free energy piece because then when we come back to this I want to understand like how you got involved with free energy what it is and what you're currently doing.
0: Okay, sure. So I'd say how I got involved, again, it was an innate understanding that in these subtle realms, there there is an infinite source of energy, and it's conscious as well. <laughs> That's one of the pieces that doesn't get talked about too much. So That's something that I just came wired with and saw a variety of different things throughout my life that defied space, time, and defied gravity, right? And here you're seeing these different things. They appear to have sentience. They appear to do, quote unquote, the impossible. And then you say to yourself,
1: hmm,
0: OK, so if this is here, then why are we operating on such this old paradigm? And by the way, this is a, a hot topic, as as many people know. But I think, you know, that the topic, quote unquote, of UFOs and is not so untouchable now as it used to be. And, and that thankfully, because there is a release that that's been happening and going on from you know, I would say that the government over a slower period of time, you know, recently, especially in the last two years. So we know that these things exist, like there that is that is-ness there. <laughs> so, uh, and you can reference articles in the New York Times that have recently come out, like I said, in the last two years. So this is not woo-woo anymore. And this is also something that's been studied really actively in defense organizations around the globe, Lockheed Martin um, uh, being one, and you have many, many others. So, um, the topic of things like anti gravity, the topic of over unity, not uncommon to be discussed and pursued and researched in these types of organizations. And so, that's I'm just laying some groundwork here. One would ask the question, well, then what about the citizen science? Is this something that's always going to be locked up in defense uh, or is this something that citizens can access so that I believe is kind of where I come into play here because, you know, I I say I'm I'm nothing special in this regard. I'm not an engineer. I'm not, you know, what I would call like a PhD scientist. I do have a master's in science, but I wouldn't, you know, say I'm, I'm that hardcore scientist. So what's the connection point that I have? And I think it's a passion and a mission. That we get beyond what we are shown and told is the reality that we're supposed to live in and really pursue a deeper one on a higher vibrational level. And with that change of consciousness, with that shift comes a different output of what we create for technology, technology that's truly in alignment with nature. Although I just heard, I forgot his last name, but I know his first name is Klaus from the WEF, the World Economic Forum, saying we want technology that's in alignment with nature. I don't really agree with that, that that's what they're doing. I think that's probably technology that's controlling nature, which is very different than living in alignment with nature. So for example, it's like if you're in a relationship and one person wants to control the other, not really a relationship. It's a little bit more abusive. (laughs) And technology that's in alignment is, is a mutual relationship. And that's really what we're talking about here. And understanding that there is an aliveness of the energy that you're working with, that you're dealing with. Okay, you may be working with magnets or copper coils or crystals to develop the tech. However, understanding that there's a sentience that's here as well going a bit of a step further, looking at the people, a lot of the people, not every person, but I'd say the vast majority. And it is written about in the Hidden Energy book that was published in 2019. Many of the inventors, um, the title is Tesla Inspired Inventors and a Mindful Path to Energy Abundance.
1: That you published. We'll put the link in the show notes for me.
0: Sure, sure. (laughs) Yes, co-wrote the book that came out last year and it is on Amazon. So many of these inventors have been inspired through dreams, through their connections to nature, through divine inspiration or they just came knowing that, you know, again, it was there to do to work on these different technologies. So, there's this sense that the planet is shifting, that human beings are shifting, we need to get on a different source of energy, different sources of energy, we need to understand what's available to us and work to create this new reality, so to speak, because what we're currently on is unsustainable. And I think many, many people realize that and know that. So, these different inventors, like I was saying, they come from all different spaces. Some are garage inventors, some are former NASA engineers. I mean, it it runs the gamut in terms of, you know, the people that see and understand that there's something more that's here. So that's what I would say is some of the the field of, of new energy technology. And so, you know, what do we do with our organization? New Energy Movement is the public education and advocacy piece that was started a good decade and a half ago from Dr. Brian O'Leary, who was an astronaut who again understood and knew that these technologies were very possible. And so he dedicated his time to this nonprofit organization to help people see that there was more than, you know, what were being shown was available with just a regular electricity and oil, gas, in terms of, in renewables, <laughs> in terms of what you see. And NUI is a foundation that we work to incubate and vet promising technology that seems to do either hyper-efficiency, it could do transmutation, or actually provide over unity, which is basically generating more power out than is being put in, that's what makes it over unity. I use the analogy, it's kind of like, you know, you, you have one apple, uh, but the apple has multiple seeds in it, right? And so you can plant multiple trees, but you're using one apple. So it's falling in alignment with nature's laws and, and the n- natural connections that are there. So, you know, this is what many people, again, that work on these different things keep being shown time and time again. And I would also say that there's a different level of sophistication that comes in, because I think early. On what sometimes people were seeing, different inventors were seeing was these spurts of energy and saying, Oh my goodness, you know, here we go, we've got over unity, but not entirely, maybe, understanding how to make that energy consistent. And so that's been one of the issues in the field is trying to get that consistency factor so you can get it replicatable, so you can actually get it out to people's homes. So, you know, people can have these devices in their homes and and have them running. And we're not there yet. And we can be, we will be. I think this is part of our natural evolution. But there's something that's remarkable and significant to this. But I would also say a large part does seem to be consciousness, That consciousness is a part of this. And I don't mean just creating the device, I mean, even the ecosystem. That these devices are in, from a financial standpoint, from a legal standpoint, it's almost as if it needs to be housed and created in really the new way, and so that's a large part of this, and, and sometimes even part of people's frustrations. Of well, well, how come you know we just don't have a device that's immediately working here now? You know, it's a very three D way to look at this, and you can't have those conversations unless you really look at the whole thing and you look at really where we are as a species. Right now, and that it does seem to be that there's a maturing and an evolution that seems to go hand in hand with this.
1: Over unity, it's a concept that is the regenerative concept? and I think that there's a lot of transformation unfolding in the narrative in the global narrative and the corporate sustainability narrative in the impact space and social entrepreneur space around regeneration, regenerative agriculture, regenerative economies. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that when I hear most I'd say ninety nine percent of the conversation, it is still like exactly like you said it's coming from a different place like you were talking the world economic Forum. That comment, it really is still coming from the how do we control this? There's not the, you guys are taking that step back to say, what are the ethics? What is the code we need to follow? And is it true that you are like in a place of not only technically supporting inventors, but also establishing the ethics around new technologies? (sighs)
0: Yeah, I think we're, you know, we call it um, moral technology. Now, we didn't come up with that. Rudolf Steiner talked quite a bit about moral impulses and morality and consciousness and technology. So there does appear to be what I would call a moral impulse that's connected. So when you think about it this way, when you think about atoms, you know, for example, and we think, oh, it's just a source of energy. Well, what if it's a conscious... You know, cell? What if it's uh, some people refer to it as imaginal cells? I've also heard it referred to as microvita, which means mini life. And what if we have been <laughs> utilizing these subtle energies? Because they're there, you know, we just don't see them with our eyeballs, as most of us don't, right, on a regular basis. But, you know, what if there is a moral impulse to each of these cells? We hear so often that everything is connected, everything is one, Well, what if it really is, and what if these are, are some of the linkage points that are right there? And we learn that everything has sentience. We learn that how we approach every living being in every living cell actually is a potential connection point to ourselves. And by the way, I'm not you know, even being philosophical here, you talk to, you know, chemists, for example, and you talk to physicists, and you start to really understand how chemistry changes and how uh, transmutation of elements shift. You know, you say to yourself, well, what is that process? What's actually happening and going on? Geez, it seems like there's even some self-organizing process that I didn't have to wave my hand and make it happen. Like if something is self-organizing, it seems that there's know some form of of sentience there so when they talk about the morality piece it's realizing that there's living energy that is there that exists and perhaps we need to be more mindful and more careful and more aware of it so from you know how does that relate to what i call like you know our day-to-day world with morality and creating an organization well, it's realizing that, you know, some basic principles like truth, <laughs> honesty, finance, conscious, like one of the things that we look at is conscious contracts, meaning contracts that are typically draconian. They assume someone's going to be at fault and therefore, oh, now you get to hang someone <laughs> because they're at fault.
1: You know that that's what my law firm does, Trigger Law, <laughs> the, con- the conscious contracts firm.
0: <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Ser- yeah, we never talked about
1: conscious oh, contracts. Oh, Oh, my God.
0: How did this not come we up? We need to get you on. We need to get you on there. Um, so, so there you go. The conscious contracts because you know how we engage with one another really should be at a higher level here. If we're, we're producing something remarkable, it shouldn't be in a draconian way that you know we're assuming someone's going to have fault and then we can go after them and whatever way we choose or vice versa. So it does appear that it's asking for as much consciousness as possible. And by the way, this is also. It's a work in progress, you know. Somebody asked me the other day, they're like, "Okay, so how how do you implement morality then in in your home?" And I'm like, uh, "Well, that's up to you, you know. I I think it's just basically being mindful and aware that." every action thought energy that we have does impact what's happening and going on around us I mean it's so basic it's like if you're in a really good mood and you're really happy you know you're gonna see a lot of good things in the world that day right the eyes that you have that day are gonna see just the beauty and the wonder and if you're not having a good day then you know you're kind of seeing all the ick <laughs> so it's it's how you know we as human beings are approaching what's going on around us that's at a very again i'm kind of taking this subtle level and, and making it more explicit but maybe that's the piece that we really missed you know it's like it's easy to see when you tear down this amazing tree that you can see that the tree is gone but do you really see the impact to the ecosystem around especially if that's like a mother tree right this is not something that we see, but we know that there's an impact. There's an impact to the environment. And so I believe part of the shift that's happening and going on right now is saying we need to see beyond the material. We need to see beyond that. We're really being asked to do that. We haven't done that very well. And you know this is a large part of what's asking to go on.
1: It's so interesting because as you were talking about the imaginal cells and just the sentient nature of cells and, and other forms of life, if people Aren't able to see that in a tree, which is a very solid piece of matter and it takes up space, then it might be a bit more challenging to understand that invisible cells have, you know, sentience also. And also, when a tree falls, when a tree is cut down, it's not just right, there's this piece missing from the forest, but there's a soul, there's relationships among trees, among plants. And so, in that respect, I'm curious how you work with and it's funny because when I'm as I'm asking this question I see you as this the same way that you're working to hold space for the connectivity and the ethics and the awakening in mm. the ecosystem where you're working I'm also really curious about how you like technically work with people to move something forward like what are you right now currently moving forward
0: Mm. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, (laughs) it's so diverse right now. Honestly, it feels like, again, there's so much diversity because there's people that like, I'll just give you a real specific example. You've got engineers that are working on tech right now. And, And by the way, I would say pretty much you know all the the people that we work with they're very spiritual minded that's kind of number one not that that's a requirement but that's just typically what we see they're they're all very spiritual minded so so they're conscious of their behavior they're conscious of their words they're conscious of their emotions and that's really wonderful because you don't have to go in and go well hold on a second um you weren't very nice to john here <laughs> you know like you you don't have to do that so so that's very good that that piece happens i think we try to stay open you know we try to look at what's very doable you know what appears to be pragmatic what appears to be very doable and also utilize a collaborative exchange truly not just saying it from a word standpoint because i think in the past what's happened is there's such a heavy influence of you know just strict science right it's just strict you know it's just science i think we know now that that's just not the case like there, there's no such thing like the, the whole person the whole being is related to what's happening and going on and that's what creates eventually you know what comes out and so going further in that collaboration and challenging all of us you know challenging ourselves to dig deeper to collaborate better and to really ask what's needing to come through. So it's a very new way of working, isn't it? Right? You know, when you think about people that are working in office buildings right now, and they're sitting in cubicles, and they're secluded from one another. So, you know, ours is, I would say, a bit of a different way that we really reach in and ask ourselves. And by the way, these are all people that have had, you know, they've got their degrees, they've gone to college, they have their experience working in XYZ company. So it, it's not like they've missed that part. <laughs> that, that's all the grounding that's already been there that's taken place, but it's taking it to a higher level and really, you know, pooling the true collaboration and seeing what's asking to come through and moving from that continuum. So, you know, there's an allowance and a, an acceptance of, you know, divine inspiration and to pursue that and really, you know, move with that idea. So that's one of the, the ways that we work and not kicking that out it's almost like there's this understanding in this subtle agreement that both, I'll call it the 3D reality, you know, both the the material reality and these subtler realms, they're both equally important. And to not give weight to one or the other. And I think that's, that's a level of sophistication that you see coming through lots of different teams right now. You know, it's not just in our arena, it's in other arenas as well. So this is this evolution in this maturing process that you're not just, you know, looking at the material world and saying, okay, this is the only thing and vice versa. You know, you're not looking at the astral or etheric, which can be subjective. (laughs) I mean, material is typically less subjective, but the subtle can be extremely subjective. And so, you know, being able to make sure that there's a counterbalance with all of this, I think that's one of the ways, I mean, it's a nice general answer, but I think it's, you know, it's a way of saying, you know, we're using all of us as opposed to just pieces and parts, which is how human beings traditionally have been asked to show up, right? In in a work environment or in some type of a project that they're doing.
1: Interesting. Because thats I was just off of a meeting and had an experience in that way. And sometimes it's not as obvious or as as clear as you just articulated it. Hmm. So I think I'm really glad that you were able to articulate this because I think a lot of people have an experience of whether it's resistance or self-judgment or like I don't fit in or I'm being cut down or whatever it is, like someone's thoughts or offerings, opinions are not being accepted. And we take it personally, but often it is. It's just like, no, no, no. There's just this level of consciousness that hasn't caught up yet. They're not holding space for that. They're not there. So uh, I don't know if that made any sense, but.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, negative emotions can be a huge. And by the way, again, I spent a long time in emotional intelligence. I'm not anti-negative emotions. (laughs) But the point is, is that when there's a prevalence of negative emotions, it's very hard for creativity to flow through. Right. And so, you know, where does the creativity really come from? You know, you can, some people can say, well, it's, you know, the ether or it's my higher self or what have you, but it's very hard to access that creativity when that, you know, the, I'll call it the flap to the amygdala is closed, uh, because you typically are just recircling the same type of negative thought forms around and around and around in your head, right? And that's why it's like, oh, you get divine inspiration, typically taking a shower, or going for a walk or laughing, you know, <laughs> it's like watching a funny movie and then realizing, oh, I'm not as, you know, in a bad mood as I thought I was. So, you know, there's definitely a relationship to that. So you talk about, you know, the person's just not there yet. And sometimes, you know, that well, like what I've seen in in all of my time is it's a hiccup on that negative emotion and letting that negative emotional state become prevalent, that that then becomes one's mood, that then doesn't allow for that higher consciousness, that creative flow, and the I'll call it the simply the good juju to roll through. and that that's still you. The irony is like that's still you, you know, the good juju is you. The so blockage is typically, you know, the program that we've got that just is malfunctioning a bit. <laughs>
1: so how do we take that formula and apply it to the world right now, apply it to the sense of of like, okay, there's another lockdown coming. And it's interesting because there's so many different bandwidths that are playing out right now, right? Like mm-hmm. that are this multidimensional realities unfolding at the same time, the same many, many multiple timelines unfolding at the same time. And when, when you talk to somebody and you just have a completely different picture of reality, yet they're not ready to meet you at yours. So you can sort of meet them at theirs, right? How do you define that energy play that's going on in that moment? <laughs>
0: It's it's like, is the door open or is it closed? And if it is open, how open is it? If it's closed, how closed is it? It's like you're doing these quick assessments, right? I'll just speak for myself because you asked about the world at large. And, you know, I would just simply say this, like, it's hard enough to think about the world at large, like really like what to do with the world at large. What do I do with it? don't even think about that. I wouldn't even do that. Like, that's just me. I think right now, it's for people to really, it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, to really hear themselves. It's going to sound a little funny, but I really do believe we're at a tremendous opportunity to practice something, which is this knowing of your real self. I think this is the time that we're in. It's like, you know, you've got everything that's going on on social media. And then you've got everything that's going on in the news. And, and by the way, I don't watch the news. I haven't watched it, honestly, since right after 9-11. I just stopped watching TV in general. And so I don't have that program coming in. I'm very mindful of, of what comes in. And I think this is the tremendous opportunity to really go inward and hear yourself. There's excellent breathing exercises that you can do for that there's excellent meditation techniques to do that because i think that's one of the hard things that we've got going on right now because there is so much noise there's so much friction of energy as well but you can still go internal that is definitely accessible to you and maybe even more accessible than we know and maybe have really understood because i think that you know that's part of the shift i think that's that's part of this i think that there's a There's a divine intelligence that has known that what we're experiencing was going to happen. And I think it's there to help us as well. And I think that some of us, you know, our higher selves are waiting to have that knock on the door for us to open it and be like, hey how you, how you do it, <laughs> you know, to have this exchange go on. So I really think it comes down to that because when you're firing on all your cylinders as a whole being, you know, I'm not just saying this because it's like, this is the thing to say, but I really do believe this. When you're really firing on all cylinders as a human being, you're radiating that and people can see it, they can feel it and it's resonance because it's making them feel good too, typically. Your likelihood of bringing them up is so much more enhanced if you yourself are good, you know, or better, or working at that. I would also say, I think communication with people that you trust is really key. You and I did that last week, (laughs) you know, and that definitely kind of, you know, it helps to, to break things open. So that is truly the answer. We've got all this time that we didn't have before, right? Like, meaning we're not out on frivolous trips or going to frivolous places because we really can't. And so we've got this time. So what are you doing with this time? What are you doing with this time? Great time to go inward because that's where a lot of this great divine inspiration and knowledge that you have set up for yourself can be found. It's there. I really do believe that. And I honestly don't worry about the world at large. I think about the people that are in my stratosphere and who they are and how they're showing up, how I can better be of support to them and vice versa. Maybe what I need from them that I can verbalize and build that core of your network around you because this is, I think, what's being asked. And there will be people that won't like your opinions and your thoughts. And that's okay. And they're going to find themselves others that think like them. But I think it's for us right now, it's to strengthen and be encouraged with who we are within ourselves to really feel that.
1: Yes. Amen. And a starting point, a starting point for like, who am I? And, you know, that deeper inquiry of self is also... Looking at every single thing going on in our life and asking why. I always come back to this why is this happening for me? Why are all of my circumstances showing up right now? And I think that's just sort of a portal for someone who's not used to sitting with self and going internally to connect with your higher self or your higher consciousness. One of the portals is to just start with examining your existence right now, examining your health, examining your relationships, examining the experiences that are showing up for you. Are these active parts of your pattern or are they old and they're just ready to have a pattern interrupt? And I think that one of the things that you said was around you know, really like building your community of of like minds of people who you can talk to and who can see you, right? Like, I feel like when you and I met, it was like, wow, she sees me, (laughs) you know, we could see each other. And that is, there's nothing more validating in your own being besides seeing yourself, obviously. But the next step is to have somebody or people who actually see you.
0: Yeah. Well, that mirroring, right? Because that mirroring helps to bring more of who you are out right and so you know for some of us who are not down with a dominant culture because we're like that doesn't mirror anything about who I am right and so the more I'm seeing that the less I'm feeling more of who I am and again that's why that this piece is important get to know who you are and then get to be around people as you said that can mirror that like go share something else with you you know I had a conversation with someone earlier this week and certain things that I've never shared with anybody and they're it's cool stuff and this woman is just saying all this stuff and I'm going oh wow you know here's the mirror so there's there's parts of me that can now live outside of myself that I didn't ever allow because I just didn't hear anybody talk like that now bless her for being brave (laughs) Because I wasn't that brave. And now it's like, oh, wait, I can, I can share these things. I can say these things, right? Because there's somebody else who's, who's making this a bigger reality now, right? And so, you know, we talk about consciousness forms our reality, right? We create the reality. We do, I don't think it's like this simple, okay, I'm going to create this. No, I think that there's natural truths that live in us these deeper truths that are just part of like this DNA and this like cosmic DNA that we have. And then they start to unfurl and then they start to come out. I think that's part of really, you know, creating this reality because, you know, you can have other people that see similarly and, you know, when you've got two and then four and then six and then eight, and before you know it, the human race has a potential different expression than again, the one that's seeming to try to be imposed on us right now.
1: That would speak to those imaginal cells, right? Those parts of ourselves that how much more lives within us that is is—is right now a, an imaginal cell wanting to be mm-hmm. mirrored, wanting the experience to manifest or actualize.
0: Yeah, exactly. Do
1: you you want to share some of those things that (laughs) are for you?
0: Uh, I don't know if I can just yet. Honestly, um, that was a private phone call, so uh, not yet. But what I can share is this. I think this piece is super huge. I think anybody that knows me is like, here's Susan going to talk about this because she always talks about this, but it's super critical we talk about the kp you know you'll be like oh i'm feeling this way or i'm feeling that way like what is it and i always say check out the kp check out the kp The, the kp is this to simplify it it's basically how active is the sun impacting the earth and we have had a very low KP, not actually in the last 24 hours, but for about two weeks in the last two weeks, with the exception of the last 24 hours, it's been real low. I liken it to like this deep kind of like this deep breath in where everything goes more inward. It feels harder to take a walk. It feels arduous to do certain physical things, but really great for concentration, focus, I'd say brain activity. But sometimes when the KP goes really goes to zero for like a good 50 hours or so, 48, 50 hours, there's a health effect. And by the way, this is all science and you can research it and see meaning the, the health effect piece. I'm inferring certain things about the KP that I've learned over I don't know many years now. So, it's impacting us, it's impacting our thinking, our thoughts. Sometimes people feel like they're really losing it. It's also called the full moon effect. I call it the full moon effect without the the physical energy, but more of the mental energy. And sometimes again, people feel like they're losing it when it hits a zero for a, you know, a sustained period of time. And I'm bringing this up for a reason because on the other side of that, we just entered into solar cycle 25 the sun's going to get active again, how active it's going to get is anyone's guess. But there's this interplay that happens and goes on with the sun and us and the earth and the energy, you know, it's one of the things that is a variable in earthquakes uh, as well. But we also have the highest amount of cosmic rays hitting the planet. And that can produce two things, it can have species die off. And it can also produce spontaneous evolution. So it's important to know, and understand that the times that we're living in is not just, oh my God, everything just looks chaotic and crazy around us. Well, we have cosmic rays, and cosmic rays are impacting people's thoughts, their biology and <laughs> their body, their chemistry, their heart, palpitations, um, strokes, et cetera, seizures. You know, there's all these different things that it's impacting, but it's also, conversely, an incredible trigger for evolution. And if we see that and we understand it, it helps to realize that maybe it's not as chaotic as it looks to me it's like surfing like i've I've surfed in my life and when you see these waves coming the best thing to do is you know see if you can ride that wave as opposed to letting it crash on your head especially if it's a good wave so i feel like with these cosmic rays with these planetary changes with the sun and look at all the ancient and indigenous cultures on the planet they've all revered the sun right well, there's reasons for it. It's not just the life giver. <laughs> which you showing me a book, The Secret Teachings of All Ages.
1: Yeah, I'm listening to you and my microphone is sitting on this book to raise it up, The Secret Teachings of All Ages by, by Manly Hall. It oh, is, uh, yes, yeah, P. Yeah, Manly yeah. Hall.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I say it's a big conscious interplay that's going on right now. And if we can be mindful of that and not think that we're just this victim of circumstance, like if we realize that we made a choice to come here during this time and maybe begin to embrace that even just a little bit, which is sounds crazy, counterintuitive to certain folks, but realize, you know, this could be humanity's greatest birth of this next version of who we are. And my strong sense is the greatest aspect is not one in which man tries to control nature. It's where humankind links with nature in a natural way, in a way that the ancients knew and understood. And there's a preservation piece to this that, you know, keeps getting, trying to get diluted, keeps getting lost. And I think that you know we go backwards to understand where we are, but to also understand you know where we can potentially be going. And it doesn't have to be all the doom and gloom, and it doesn't have to be this mechanized you know world. And I, I want to share this one quote here for a sec. There was a a gentleman by the name of Dr. John Mack, who is a Harvard professor of psychiatry, who I spent time with in my early 20s, right when I graduated from <laughs> college with my, well, my bachelor's degree. And they were researching people that had um, these, these interdimensional extraterrestrial type of encounters. And it was like, wow, Harvard professor doing that, you know, back in the 90s, totally unheard of. However, he did research at this school, it was called the Ariel School in Zimbabwe, and they interviewed all the kids and the teachers because um, the kids had the mass sighting, teachers had a mass sighting. And then he went to spend time trying to understand, you know, was there some psychosis here or is there something legitimate and genuine? Well, one of the, the little girls said that the being said to her, um, we must not become too technologized And this was back in, you know, the early 90s. So you think about that for a moment. And think about where we are right now. And, you know, we really do have the technocrats that are trying to call the shots on, (laughs) pardon the pun, many Mm. things. And the cart is before the horse. You know, and you think about AI, I make a joke here that a part of the potential plan is microchipping people, right? Like, I can't even get auto spell correctly on my phone to do things like now you're going to put this in a living body, right? So, you know, there's some wisdom that is coming to our planet that we have access to, that we really better start to pay attention to. Because I think we're seeing right now, technology is surpassing morality, it's surpassing what's really needed. And there's technology that's truly in alignment. And then there's technology that is a controlling mechanism for for human beings. And I don't believe that that's part of what lies ahead as our greatest days.
1: There's so much to like pick apart in every single thing you're saying. This thought that kept popping in around, well, first of all, the technology piece, this is something that I'm always kind of working through reconciling is that, you know, there are a lot of people who are conscious of impact, conscious of sustainability conscious people who have good hearts and want to preserve nature and live be in harmony with nature and again it is a consciousness thing this is like if someone of that elk might say that you're crazy for talking about ufos or you've gone a little too far because you're like now stretching into other dimensions and so there are i don't want to say this because it sounds divisive it sounds separate mm-hmm. like separation but there's different camps of this evolutionary process right and there's there's folks who are where there's there's the most funding and resources sources right now I'd say towards the, in the in the middle ground where it's like okay this at least fits in fit's in the narrative am I making sense here it's not oh, yeah. like way yeah. off and I yeah. think you know and so in that space for me the bridge between like when you're talking about kps I don't even, I don't know the science behind it but all I do know is that there's a giant Orb in the sky that heats up our planet that helps us grow food that makes my skin brown. Like you know, there's a and doing a whole lot of what else is it doing? There's another giant orb that moves the ocean and helps me be on a cycle, you know, and all yeah. of them be on a cycle. So I'll mm. be humans. So, what other planets are being active and activating us humans in certain ways and creating other you know influence of on the earth? Most people. Are not aware of that. I mean, I don't walk around twenty four seven thinking it. Although it is a hundred percent part of my existence, and I know, you know, and part of my spirituality and my practices. But most people are so disconnected from that reality that you know that. And and I'm saying that not to say something's bad about people, but I think that whoever's listening, like one of the best places to start to connect ourselves to the reality that you, Susan, are talking about is to, to remember. Oh, yeah, that. What else is going on in the invisible?
0: Yeah, exactly. And and it doesn't have to be, you know, I, w- I want to share this piece because, you know, this is sometimes what the focus is, Is you know, because when you talk about the new energy piece, it connects to the anti-gravity because this is, you know, sometimes people put those two and two together. But, you know, there's something else that doesn't really get discussed too much. And, and this is real key. I mean, it's what I call basic human connection. It's the connection when you're looking you know, for me, I was, uh, I am a mom, um, but she's grown. (laughs) It is looking at your child's eyes when you're breastfeeding and seeing this incredible being and staring at you and you're just so communing and your body is doing this incredible automatic process of feeding, right? Like this, this beautiful milk to this child who's just so in love with you and you're so in love with this baby and then you know think about your animals your pets and you have these connective moments i think all of us can relate to that all of us can relate to connection whether it's the birth or the impending, or the death of a loved one, the look that a loved one gives us. And I've had, I would say, I've had pets that have died that I've been so close to. I've lost my mom and my dad and my brother. And there's a look that the soul opens in the eyes. And this is something that we have within us as human beings is this capacity to connect and if you were to ask me, what is everything about? What is this whole thing about? It's about that. And it's seeing these connecting points and feeling them within our body and feeling them. And somehow that's, you know, somehow uploaded or, you know, communicates to the soul and the spirit. But, but that's what this is about. And it doesn't matter the form, like, you know. Some could say, well, you know, you, you, a pet is not the same as a human. Well, I don't know about that. I've seen people that are very much in love with their animals and they are closer to them than some human beings have been. So it's this connection to life force that we need to start paying attention to. And the form takes on many shapes. It could be a tree. It could be a stone. It could be It could be a body of water, you know but it's a connection to life force that we really need to begin to pay attention to because i believe that is what makes us living in these human bodies this tremendous capacity that we're on the verge of losing if we don't begin to wake up to it and all of the research that I did, you know, when you look at the Hidden Energy book, you look at the research that I published for this group that was studying people that had these anomalous encounters, my focus was about 90 of these people. It's about connection and it's about the information that comes from this, this connection. And so we're at a point where we're losing our capacity to connect. I mean, it's literally being forced upon us right now, right? And that has an impact. So who knows, maybe part of these beings that we can't see that are trying to help us are knocking at the door saying, You guys are about to lose your way, but you don't have to.
1: I remember when this all began in March of 2020 mm-hmm. and we were introduced. Mm-hmm. And while everyone was hiding away, we we lived probably four hours apart and we mm-hmm we drove and we met for the first time we just had to meet and it was like some freezing snowy day (laughs) and we just walked for for hours connecting and think of such a, that's such a gift. And if it was only, which I know it's not only for, but if it was only for this moment where you're sitting here saying what you just said, then ode to connection.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ode to connection. Yeah. That was a great day. That was a great day. And it's been, it's been a tremendous, look at, it's been a tremendous journey. It really has. There's been a lot that's changed since March till now, right? A lot.
1: Yeah. And so in wrapping up, mm. I'd love to hear you share, if we can think about from now until March, that's what, about four months away, three and a half months away, <laughs> four months away, four months. What in the highest unfolding, the highest potential of you know, of a possibility unfolding the highest timeline, what would you like to see unfold in the next four months? Whether, oh. it's, whether it's personally or in mm. stratosphere or in the collective?
0: I would love, love, love to see people tap into their true power and their true sovereignty. I'd love to see their higher selves drop in. I'd love to see them ask for that to come in Honestly, that's the God's honest truth. People that actually know me, you know, really well, and as you do. But that's what I love. I love when people really get into, you know, more of their power for themselves. They light up and you can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their being. And it's also, this is going to sound selfish, but it also makes my life easier. <laughs> because when people are really in their sovereignty, they're firing right on all these cylinders and they're creative and they're empowered. And you find like, oh, wait, maybe I'm not needed as much. Oh, maybe that means I can go do this or or go over there. So, man, I would love for people to be in their sovereignty because it takes courage to do that, especially in the temperature that we're in right now. And so- finding their sovereignty and being courageous with that. That is absolutely positively what I love. And, and I will be praying and meditating on that consistently because I think that's, that's, that's it. That's it. And then whatever happens from there happens. And because when you wake up to that higher sense of who you are, you don't want to fight people. You don't want to argue with people. You, you don't care to divide. You know, It's just like, I know what I'm here for. I know what I believe in. I'm good.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that our higher selves, our higher purpose, our higher selves, there's no room for extraction, destruction, control, domination. It's a completely different vocabulary. And that is what will unfold. Yep, that is, Mm -hmm. that is,
0: that is because you're in a mode of creating, you don't want to be destroying, you want to be creating. And that's where your time and energy is spent. when you wake up to that, and then you realize, oh, I have influence over the cells of my body. I have influence to how my energy runs and how it moves. And you're you know, there's a there's a quote, her name was Dolores Cannon, and I will never forget this. loved it. She was a quantum healing hypnotherapist for like fifty some odd years. And I was trained under her. and she said, our job here on this planet is to learn how to understand and influence energy now i take that with the hidden energy you know work the the you know over unity free energy tech i put it there but i also look at it as human relationships on a day-to-day basis right navigating through those navigating this energy navigating the energy with the earth with the gosh even the technology that impacts us typically in a negative way right We have to navigate and learn all of this. This is, maybe this is one of the things that Earth School is about, right? And in that connection, you know, we better learn how to manage and influence energy.
1: Yeah. And if we're learning amongst each other, like again, going back to the, I can see you and I can see, feel you but then there's also the people we don't see our neighbors are the ener- the the collective energy that we're not necessarily seeing that's impacting us right. so yeah. yeah it's where do we start we start with the uh, start with ourselves because yes. that's what we have the purview to to understand the most deeply
0: well the more you see the more you'll see and i think the more neutral the more you'll see. And then the more jarring some of the negativity looks, so you see that and go, "Oh no, 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 not there, right? Right? But if you're in that space of um, that neutrality or even you know a bit more of that positivity, then the edges are softened, and so you'll see more. You will be able to see more of those subtle realms, but it's hard to see it when you're in, I mean, because I, I I can clearly say this, I was born a certain way. I was, I saw these subtle realms and there was times throughout my life that you know I, I had some not good things occur and happen and I would be in a, a prolonged negative state, not depression, but just like this prolonged negative state. And I actually noticed I can see different. I'm not seeing the subtle realms when I'm in those fear-based states. Like my vision actually shifts, my cognition shifts, but when I'm in more of that neutral state, you know, that's why those sages talk about meditation, meditation, meditation. I think it's so true because it like clears that that hollow bone in you, you know, that you can approach things in a a more neutral way. You see more and then therefore, you know, you're more discriminant about, about what you do as opposed to being pulled in a direction that's not going to be good for you.
1: And able to discern when that's happening and noticing the moment you need to time out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you and I report on quite often.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, I can just speak for myself. You know, the name of the game is really continuing to get that bioenergy field radiating because in that state, you have more energy. You think better. Your your mind is not clouded with all these crazy thoughts of like, oh, how am I going to fix this? And But it really, really, really it really helps you see better through this. And I think all of us are going to need to do that. I think that's just part of being human now. You know, we have to work at managing our energy on a day-to-day basis and and influencing it on a daily basis.
1: I think that's where we'll close. All right. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome.
1: Thanks for joining us on this episode of Catalyst Talks. Stay tuned for what's up next, and please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. You'll find those links at catalysttalks.com. Join us. We continue this conversation on social media, and if you'd like to reach out to me privately, you can send me a message at stephanietrager.com. Your attention here means the world to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you.